Welcome to the magic in daily endurance. I'm your host, Jesse Meister, coming to you this season from Canada. What if you could integrate the tools necessary to raise your vibration and change your life? This show will help you overcome your challenges, step into your power, and become the true badass you're meant to be. Join me as I chat with friends of mine that have dove deep into their shadow to see the light and are now ready to share their stories. This is the magic in daily endurance. Hello world and welcome back to another episode of the Magic and Daily Endurance. Kyle Gray, selling with stories, helping visionaries, entrepreneurs, and coaches use storytelling to enroll their dream clients. Amazon best-selling author, traveler, nomad, and also the host of the Story Engine podcast. Kyle, welcome to the Magic and Daily Endurance. Jessica, thanks so much for having me on this show. I'm really excited to dive into a lot of the questions and topics that you're exploring on this. I think it's really unique and there's some they feel subtle, but they're some of the most powerful, you know, ways to get results in your life. Hmm. Yeah. So speaking of which, daily rituals, routines, do you have any and would you like to share with the audience? Sure. I'll share, um, you know, I, I'll I'll share the most ideal and uh, aspirational uh, versions, but also just know out there that sometimes I don't manage to do all of these things in one day or keep up on all of these things. But um, uh, yeah, this is this has actually been a, a central part of uh, my life recently and I think a lot of our interviews gonna kind of revolve around uh where I've been living um but uh, and it impacts what happens in my morning ritual I love a nice spacious morning I like to wake up uh without an alarm around 6 a.m and the first thing I'll do is uh some Wim Hof breathing um I I just have like one of the Wim Hof apps or something so I just have him guide me through it and that's a, a good first thing in the morning and then um, do a a meditation I like to uh, focus on a feeling that I want to create or an idea something that I want to feel and experience more of something that I want to be how do I want my day to go and choose to just cultivate a good feeling in my meditation and practice from there um, from there I have a uh, uh, I enjoy a steel mace. I'm not the most like go to the gym all the time. In fact, I don't really like going to the gym very much. Um, but I've found that just having like a steel mace that I can play around with for 10 minutes in the morning and then uh, every every so often throughout the day to take little movement breaks and I can get a, a pretty decent workout in not, not too long of a time. So I'll, I'll get some blood flowing with that. Um, <clears throat> and I have... Uh, one or uh, I have three types of journals. You know, one of which that I that that I may or may not work with at the time. I have a planner, which is just kind of like managing my tasks and writing down my goals and kind of 
moving in a in a structured way. I have uh, uh, just kind of like an everything notebook where just whatever needs to be written, notes, ideas, doodles, sketches, it's just meant to be like dumped in. And then I have a third one, which is a very nice, fancy journal that I call a spell book, mm. which is where I write out the futures that I want to experience or create and uh, write out the future that I want in present tense into those pages and then use that as kind of a, uh, a, a source of magic. Mm, Spellcasting. <laughs> that's amazing that sounds like a beautiful way to wake up and start your day movement breath work meditation i love it i love it i love it i do and one of the one of the interesting things like living on the island um in in a in a more ideal world that would all happen and then i would have time to do my writing to, mm. to come up with content to make reels to do the the things that are like the wisdom to build my business kind of things mm -hmm. but li since i've been living on the island for better and for worse um the way the time zone works leaves me with uh having to move my calls very early in the morning mm. um, in order to be able to communicate with everybody i need to communicate with but after a bunch of calls, I'm not particularly motivated in the same way that I am at the beginning of the morning to like write my posts. Mm -hmm. So there's been a little bit of a, of a, a challenge and an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I've had more time for myself. I've had, you know, like I've been able to invest in, in other aspects of my life um, here, but I'm also like, really looking forward to being able to have a nice spacious morning where I can be creative and and make content again and be able to work this muscle because uh, maybe it's an excuse maybe it's a limiting belief but I find it very difficult to be able to fit that in um, when my calls are starting you know by eight or nine in the morning because mm -hmm. you're six hours ahead right uh, I was like most I'm people. I'm behind most people, so uh, I'm I'm not sure where where you are relative, but to the Pacific time zone, I am three hours earlier. Okay, I'm Mountain so Time. I'm, I'm four hours earlier than Mountain Time. I'm six hours earlier than Eastern Time. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's uh, that's. Every time people go to Hawaii, I forget about that like massive time difference that there is. Um, yeah. Beautiful place to live, though. It is. Um, it is a beautiful place. It's particularly beautiful if you can come here and then not like just not really have to worry about the rest of the world. Uh, you can just immerse yourself here. Mm hmm. So when you're traveling, like how easy do you find it to keep on top of like your morning routine? Very difficult. Yeah. So like, how do you navigate through that? Like, what do you, are there tools that you set in place or you're just like, whatever, like, especially with the time difference? Uh, it's, it's, it's been, you know, again, a double edge of my life. Uh, it takes a while for them to recover. I don't think I've, or like, I, I can like slowly improve over time. I, I'll usually 
at least keep up with doing the breath work every morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I feel that at least writing in, in my journal and just kind of like dumping out my thoughts is is cathartic, but I'd like to be more on this. And I'm, I'm really particularly hard on myself for not being able to maintain these routines or regimens because a lot of the time, yeah, I feel like I'm traveling all the places and then I'm like recovering because I'm jet lagged and I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and then there's another trip coming up. So it's like hard to do this. And I, I'm, yeah, kind of honestly like frustrated with the state that I've been in for a long time because I feel like, uh, you know, I'm like perpetually recovering from something or, you know, like waiting for the next thing to start. And again, there's, uh, I'm open to this being some kind of limit or like my own limitations or limiting beliefs that uh, I like, I, I find myself deeply craving foundation and structure and routine and a place to really be able to call my own. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of the times I have to move, not because I want to move, but because the house I'm living in, the landlord wants to move in. That's happened a couple of times. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that that just, uh, yeah, gets me kind of up in a thing. But, you know, at least as far as like, so my morning routine and my personal commitments to myself, um, definitely it's it's difficult to, to keep that routine and, and have that space and that devotion to myself during it. I'm able to work at least, you know, I've been able to maintain of like, how can I keep my business going? How can I keep connections going? I can keep calls going. I can keep all of the minimal things going to to keep the business running and be be successful. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, like um, investing in the growth of my business, um, I I feel that a lot of the time here has been investing in the growth of myself. And so, even though it it, it may not be like ah. Oh, because to me there's been a lot of of really good things you know that have just happened with my time here that i you know considered an investment um but yeah it's uh it's it's a really hard balance uh traveling and routine mm-hmm. yeah and like i know some of the listeners out there are like one they go on vacation or they're camping on the weekends it's like how do i keep up with that right so don't be hard on yourself it's okay just go back another day. Um, what has been the biggest thing in your life since like moving to the island, like the biggest revelation with you? I would love to know. Um, so, and I think this fits in with the theme of the podcast, but um, how uh, I feel that one of the biggest things that's happened to me while being on this island is that I've been able to reconnect with a certain spirituality um, that I haven't had access to since I was uh, a teenager. Mm. When I was younger, I uh, my parents put me into a Christian school because it was a good school. And so, you know, I was somewhat like, uh, exposed to, or I was pretty much exposed and in line with the Christian ideas, but I feel like I really like self-selected it in, in high school. Um, just, uh, there was like, I, I enjoyed the community that I had in, in one of these, these churches and, uh, would spend a lot of time with them. 
um it's it's interesting being a christian in utah um because you get to be the punk rock rebel um which is kind of unexpected uh but uh yeah so i would i remember doing things like walking around the mormon temple praying as an act of uh uh civil disobedience or something or spiritual disobedience um so i was really good straight-laced kid uh through uh a lot of like high school and was really involved in that and then college came and uh there were several things um uh, some some encounters with death of close friends um traveling new ideas that uh led me to the conclusion that I should focus more on believing in myself rather than a God. And um, I think through a lot of my 20s, it, it was good for me in a lot of ways, believing in myself, working on myself, trusting myself, but it ultimately left me with an impression of the universe that uh, it was kind of this hostile uh, place still or it wasn't it wasn't like wanting to help me or be a part of it and so i feel that i spent a lot of my life uh kind of living and i still feel that i do this in a lot of ways and maybe this is just a, a human thing but i feel like i'm pressing on the gas and the brakes mm. of my life a lot at the at the same time and particularly mm. when you want to cultivate a belief in yourself and a confidence in yourself but you don't believe that the universe is going to give you what you want um it's a uh, it's contradicting mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and uh through like even how how we're connected now through a various grapevine and and constellation of of coincidences and communities um around the time of the pandemic i started learning i about um uh these different coaching methods i got involved in, in some things i wasn't really interested in being a life coach i have been like a copywriter and a speech writer for a long time and i wanted to be professional and i uh, especially like you know in 2017 and 2018 i looked down on the life coach i was like who needs that you know <laughs> and the universe uh, was like come here <laughs> right um <clears throat> and uh started like yeah learning these techniques mostly for my own mental health um because i was like man i'm kind of i'm kind of messed up you know mm -hmm. I, I could definitely like see it um and just like okay i can i can use these things to work with me slowly started to see how they could help me with my clients but got exposed to a community of people um that uh just was was thinking a little bit differently and seeing things a little bit differently and um i ended up going to uh uh hawaii um expecting to be there for like a five-day vacation um and just being so inspired this was in november of 2020 right in the beginning of the pandemic and everything's closed and locked down and nobody wants to hang out mm. and uh I am walking down the street and there's people standing in restaurants or like in restaurants eating, you know, and there's people playing live music because the way the islands had just barely opened and the lockdown was essentially at the, at the gate, not, uh, but, but people, you know, you'd still have to wear masks and they were still strict and it varied from island to island, but it was a sanctuary. 
Mm. Um, and uh, this island is also uh, just a very spiritual and powerful place. There's a deep, like, intense energy of life and death and fire and water, um, like, just present here that shakes up a lot of people's lives that, you know, everybody notices it, everybody feels it. Mm. And, um, yeah, through my time here and uh, through various practices, ceremonies, coincidences, reflections, and things have started to be able to get in touch with you know my spirituality is something that really defines me and i'm deeply motivated by like seeking a purpose and a meaning and want to serve something bigger um mm. you know and uh so i i care deeply about it although some might uh you know from from my dress might mistake me or at least par particularly out here you know, on the island, you know, the people who consider themselves spiritual would mistake me as a normie tourist. <laughs> uh, He's just know. wearing a black t-shirt. He doesn't know nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, being able to trust that the universe wants something for me, that it's on my side, that, uh, that it wants me to be successful that it's it's like there's a there's something benevolent out there um it's something that uh you know i i yeah it's 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 hard for me to you know still these days like it's a practice to feel worthy of it and want mm. it and and you know be that but being here on the island has helped me reconnect that and taught me you know it's helped me unlearn a lot of the things of like just grinding super hard to get the results you know you want in your work or uh yeah um i don't know just a lot of the myths of uh achievement and being able to you know like i said it's been kind of a blessing and a curse to be able to not spend as much time on my business still have things going but i'm like investing in myself um and uh yeah Managing managing all of that and what that looks like and being able to claim um, what I really want. Sorry, I think I'm. I feel I'm rambling now. No, it's good because I think I think that's super important, especially when you find out what your purpose is. Like, if you aren't in alignment, if your energy is like over here and over there, then how are you going to coach other people, right? When you're scattered. So when we focus on ourselves and we become in alignment with ourselves we're way, way more capable to like reach out to those people that we can benefit and like help change their, their own lives. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things, you know, even as much as I, it's funny that I, I feel I, I work with people in creating these things and they're mm. both that like, you know, it's it's funny that you struggle with your own medicine sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe that's why it's so, yeah. But to not beat yourself up is so, so important. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm yeah. on the right path. And I'm like, you know, especially when you know, like in your heart and your soul, like what you're here to do once you figure that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, uh, I've noticed through like, 
taking various like personality tests and things that I'm future oriented and future thinking. And mm -hmm. this is an incredible advantage and blessing. You can like look down the future and see what's possible and inspire people and enroll people. Excellent. But if you're always like looking down there, you're always, um, you know, there, there's always this cognitive dissonance of like what you see and where you're at right now. Mm. Yeah, the practice of, of being happy and being at peace where I am right now. Um, yeah, it's like, it's a deep, it's a deep challenge uh, to this day of, of really being just okay with where I, I, I like, at least like intellectually. You know, there's a lot of awesome things I'm doing really well. But yeah, there's still a lot of days where I really uh, just wrestle with it. Mm, yeah. Is that like human design stuff or? The future thinking would be a strengths finder. What's um, that? It's just a, 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 a yet another test. So there's the <laughs> Clifton strengths finder, um, which is... Uh, yeah, like a, a certain kind of personality test. Um, the, the human design is excellent and insightful, and I've gotten lots of cool, interesting insights from that. Um, mm -hmm. And I am a pure manifester um, oh, okay. in that world. Um, another one that's been really interesting that uh, I see bouncing around the corporate nerds particularly is the Colby score. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a four point score based on a, couple, a few key personality traits that um, they seem to find as a good barometer of, of how to assess what the best way to work with somebody is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did uh, insights when I was in my corporate realm and it sounds similar. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I w I'm wondering as you're speaking of all these things, like how you went from like keynote speaker to coaching people, like what does that story look like? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I definitely have, you know, I'm, I'm still consider myself a, a keynote speaker. Um, but uh, like coaching people, I actually started coaching people and helping them write keynote speeches. Mm. But if we go even a little bit further back, we'll 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 kind of go through the whole arc of of my my career. Um, I would say that the very beginning of these seeds were planted when I was a singer songwriter in my teens and early twenties, and thought that that was the only thing I was going to be able to do and live a happy and fulfilled life. <laughs> of course, <laughs> kind of got burned out on that, and a few years later, got a job blogging for a startup and writing a lot of content um, and managing a team, creating a lot, a lot of content um, and telling the story of this startup and how it's growing and the challenges it's facing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> after a couple of years, I built up a reputation as a good writer, content marketer, blogger, and um, used that to insert myself into different other businesses. I was highly motivated by what can I learn? I wasn't so much focused on what, where am I going to make the most money? I was like, what's interesting to me? I started, I inserted myself into working with like a self-publishing company for a little while, learned how to self-publish books. Um, and then I also found my way into like a, tr a company that trained speakers. It would train it and it, it uh, 
I got in right very early and started writing for them and writing about their processes and their their things because seeing somebody speak from the stage and create an experience reminded me of what it was like to be a musician and create an experience for people and I was really attracted to that mm. so I wanted to do whatever I could to get myself close to that and so I started writing for this company and writing good blog content and um one of the side effects of writing content for somebody is you learn everything about their process and their philosophy, you know, to, in order to write it. So they got to a point where they started um, hosting these workshops that they would sell for $10,000 where somebody would come for a couple of days to either be like prepare, set up all of their positioning to be seen as a great speaker. How do you create a speaker kit? How do you make your outreach? What do, what do you need to do to get yourself on big stages? Mm-hmm. And they also had a workshop that was, what do you need to do? Or like, how do we build a signature talk in two days that you can use and uh, once you get on these stages? And the first two years, um, or once they started opening up these workshops, they called me because I was the one who understood the things because I was writing the posts. Mm-hmm. And so I started coaching and helping facilitate these workshops. Um, and uh, built up my skills working with literally, first of all, it worked a muscle in my head and tackled the limiting belief of, of like, these were $10,000 workshops. And I saw people that you would see that and they would pay $10,000 and it would make perfect sense. And that's cool. And you saw people that looks like they, you know, they're swinging for the fences, you know, paying, you know, taking this money up. And I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people paying $10,000 for things, which is a very useful way to to train your mind to think people pay $10,000 for things. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really is because it sounds super foreign to a lot of, you know, people, but like I was just in it. And so um, I was also doing copywriting and learning how to write sales pages and scripts and things for people. But I didn't want to like step on the the toes of this company, so I built an agency because I wasn't just a speech writer. I had like teams of stay-at-home moms in Canada, in England, in the United States, across the world, who would write emails for me, write sales pages, design things. I would coach somebody on a presentation, but I had a full end-to-end funnel service that I would enroll people in and and build out a whole thing for them. Um, which was kind of cool for a while. It, it enabled me to not be working as hard on fulfillment and just let my team work on that. And then I was going out and doing sales and things. But uh, uh, it really, like, over time, I wasn't a great manager of my mm-hmm. team and wasn't very clear on, like, what uh, what I thought success would mean. And I was I tended to be more of, like, a minimalist in my design philosophy. And I hired a bunch of maximalists. Um, here's like an example of like when, when I knew something was really, really wrong Mm. is when one of my copywriters messaged me and she was like, Kyle, I know you asked for a 20 page sales page, which I didn't ask for that, but I, the project manager did and they were all maximalists. That was way too, that was like insane. Even just hearing 20 page sales page. She was like, no, I know you wanted a 20-page sales page, but I'm going to write a 50-page, or I wrote you a 50-page sales page. There you go. I went above and beyond for you. Enjoy. 
And then I get a message from my designer who's like, did you know your copywriter wrote a 50 page sales page? And that's going to take me at least twice as long to build this page now. And you're paying me by the hour. And, uh, you know, just imagine that, you know, little things like that happening all the time. And this was right as the right leading up to the pandemic um, yeah. when I was having this and I was just like burning out my team. My team was going crazy. My clients hated my team. My team hated my clients. <laughs> Fortunately, everybody still seemed to like me, which, uh, you know, was, was at, at least there was that. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then the pandemic hit and, uh, it, like I had like, my my plan was to just get more clients to throw more money at the problems and so i had a bunch of speaking gigs lined up that april and all of these things and then um yeah people stopped buying stopped doing stuff and i right-sized my team and just like closed out a lot of the work we were doing and, and finished that up and then also like stopped working with uh this other company and that's when like when kind of everything was all burned to the ground and it was the beginning of the pandemic i was like well i'm just going to be a speech coach it's what i'm really good at it's what the clients loved the most about working with me and i'm just going to own it now and so that's when i started to like be like i help great speakers write incredible uh signature talks faster than they could on their own and better than they could on their own Mm -hmm. and um really started leaning into that and also kind of the final iteration and evolution of this process as I've been working with people is that I find that it's not just about writing a great talk to make you more money um, but that the there's a, a form of story work that's almost like an offensive component to where a lot of the inner kind of like psychotherapy type work is almost like a defensive healing type work but you can use this language you know the same language and sensitivity and coaching uh, you know that you would get like working with somebody in coaching you can use this information and this intimacy that you would get to tell stories that really allow people to connect with you in in their hearts like what you've learned to become a good coach can teach you to become a good speaker and when you start telling better stories as a speaker, it can change you. It, it will change you on an identity level. If you, you can tell better stories that you can actually show up as a better speaker. And even if you weren't saying anything different than you said before, but you were just more aligned with yourself and understanding mm -hmm. of yourself that um, you'd create an entirely different experience. And that's a great segue into like your coaching and like what you do for people and your offering basically. Like I would love to dive more into that, like how you, so I'm brand new to the coaching industry and I come to you and like, I'm a hot mess. What does that look like <laughs> when if, you start with people? <laughs> if you're brand new to coaching and you're, and you're a hot mess, then I would recommend uh, my books or my my free things, but but we'll I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna I'll keep going. I know where you want to go with that. Okay, <laughs> that's what I would do uh, in that in that specific case. Mm 
Um, let me tell you a story. This was this is pretty close to that. Uh, okay. uh, that that demonstrates both how this works as like a storytelling from the stage principle and as like an inner identity work and where the cross section of both of these are. Mm -hmm. So I, I had somebody come into my group program who was a, she was a, a seasoned health coach, a health and nutritionist coach, but still had a lot to learn. And um, in my in my group program, I would have private calls where we would create a story together. So I asked them a lot of questions about their client, about their life, about, you know, why they care. And I practiced through the hundreds, you know, of times I've done this, just helping people tell better stories. So I know these frameworks so well that I'll take your information and then share your story. Mm -hmm. Um Anyway, so this one person comes on ready to comes onto my call. We'll call her Diane, uh, ready to play this this game with me of create a story. We're going to create an origin story, which is a story that you would use at the beginning of a podcast or a signature talk or a webinar, whatever your sales call, to introduce yourself and say, this is who I am and this is why you should trust me. She gets on the call and she's like, Kyle, I'm stressed out. I'm having trouble with focus. You see, I've been working with women and they're coming to me with these hormone problems and I'm fixing them. But I'm 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 having I'm having problems. And I'm like, those don't sound like problems, Diane. What's going on? She's like, Well, I'm having trouble with focus because I want to work with parents and children with ADHD. But I don't know if I can like balance working with these women and working with these things. And I just recently found out that I have ADHD. And I have been looking back at a life of decades of dopamine-driven decisions which have led me every which way. And I just keep thinking to myself, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. Oh. Is this a is this a <laughs> good storytelling attitude? Pop quiz people. Yes or I'm no. like, if a client were to like do that. I don't know if I would be able to not laugh. I said, do you want to play a game, Diane? She said, yes. Some of you will know this game. Um, mm. I had her write down that phrase. If my parents had only known, they mm. could have done something. And I said, we're going to play a one-word game. You're going to read this out loud and take a big breath and repeat that three times. She does it. How does that feel? Feels bad. Good. That's exactly where we need to be. All right. Now we're going to change one word. Um, I know now, or if I had only known, I could have done something. Mm -hmm. How does that? Read, breathe, read, breathe, read, breathe. How does that feel? A little bit better. Okay. I know now. I can do something. Read, breathe, read, breathe. All right. We're getting better. We're getting closer. And I ask her, hey, what do you think one of the biggest reasons that a parent wouldn't want to work with somebody like you? And she's like, well, they wouldn't want to open up a can of worms of having like a diagnosis like this because then there's so many things that they have to do and pay attention to. So they'd rather just ignore the problem. And I say, what does that lead to? Well, it leads to decades of dopamine-driven decisions that would lead your life every which way 
And she looks and she's like, oh my God. And so we changed the message one more time. I know now, and that's why my message is so important. And you know now, now we can tell a story. Now we're in a, okay, let's tell a story mode. We, 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 we had to go through that to get there. Now we can start. Okay, tell me a story about somebody in your family that was experiencing ADHD symptoms. And we start to craft a story. She starts to describe her grandson bouncing off the walls like any boy should, and a particularly an ADHD boy. And, and the boy's father, which is her son, yelling at him, shouting at him, trying to calm him down. And they both end up frustrated and exasperated. And she looks at her grandson in that moment, giving up, just sad. And she sees herself in him. And she knows what's going on. And she starts to wonder if he's ever going to really get what he needs. And starts to look back on her own life of decades of dopamine-driven decisions that had led her life every which way and only now barely coming to grips with even what was going on. And she thinks to herself, if my parents had only known, they could have done something. And so that line that was at first the most disempowering line became what would be the most important line to overcome one of the biggest objections mm. that uh, the parents would have. And so this is an excellent example of both the practical, tactical aspects of storytelling to reach your audience and the somewhat intangible yet very, very powerful uh, impact that just being able to shift your own story for yourself internally can create 80% of the results you want on the stage. It doesn't even, she did, she was using the exact same words that she started the call that was disempowered, the exact same words with intention, with purpose, with strategy were powerful. Mm. And this is where we can learn to play this and learn to create these experiences. And actually, as you know, uh, now somebody who's come from the speaking world into the coaching world, you as coaches, all of you listening in, I assume you're coaches, if you're not, uh, well, that's okay, too. But um, <laughs> being able to ask somebody questions, have them open up in vulnerable ways to you and what you learn about them, like be, giving a good talk is being able to coach people at scale. Hmm. It's being able to understand their problems so well that you can talk about it and teach about it from the stage without having to ask them all of your intake questions because you've been through it enough that you know. And it's not about teaching them how to solve the problem or getting into the technical details, especially you health people out there. You're going to try and tell me all of the things I need to do or, you know, the fitness people, here's your 16 different, you know, workouts that you're going to need to get those buns. But I don't, I'm not ready for the workouts yet. I just need to believe that I can get the buns. And so you need to tell me like, you know, you want to have iron buns, but the problem is you've, you, you know, you think it's your diet, uh, but it's not like trying to be eating all or it's not like what you're eating 
but it's just when you're eating. Mm. And so if you can give me a, just like a good coach does a little bit of a perspective shift when you're teaching me and open me up to new possibilities, help me believe in the future, not teach me how to get there. Once I pay you, then you can do that. Don't jump the gun, but just open up my beliefs to what's possible. And that's what a good, it's, it's, it's offensive coaching mm-hmm. in a sense. I literally had this conversation on my goddess line this morning. <laughs> I'm just like more confirmation. This is like so good. So, so good. And then, so when did you like do this switch? Like the beginning of COVID was like the. Um, the beginning of COVID was when I, I shut down my agency and began mm-hmm. really coaching. And I don't know if there's ever been like a clear line when I like, you know, I still write speeches for people and it's still mm-hmm. my primary tool. A keynote speech is like the white belt that I use to work with my clients and, and build on our, our communication from. So I still do all of those things. And then, yeah, there's just kind of varying degrees depending on the client depending on their needs you know uh of how much of the magical does but yeah the magical isn't quite leaning forward in the offer or the communication yet and maybe it's it's uh uh, a book or a new keynote speech on my part is forthcoming that would uh incorporate and accentuate those aspects of me Mm -hmm. so where in this all of this did you start your podcast I started my podcast um, after writing my second book, oh, also okay. called The Story Engine. Mm-hmm. I had The Story Engine. I had been going on to a lot of podcasts as a guest. I was uh, uh, had a prolific process of getting myself onto a lot of different podcasts, but didn't know if I've, I've also perpetually dealt with um, an inferiority idea complex. I have perpetually struggled to feel that my ideas are worth sharing despite being quite prolific. Um, But uh, so I published the story engine, which uh, was, uh, it was life changing. You know, it was really cool um, how successful that book came and it created the foundation for a real audience that Mm. uh, I could build and started building up a list of of people who were reading the book. And I also created an audio book in the year after the release and Hmm. just spent enough time in a studio that I was like, you know what, I should do a podcast. Um, And actually like the podcast has become a very powerful and important and I use my podcast probably a little bit differently than a lot of people do or like the primary the primary value is is such a wonderful relationship development tool to get the mm. opportunity to meet people um, or to connect with people and then to give them a container to create something and for us to get to know each other better and to create something valuable together um, is an excellent way to have to move a relationship forward. And that's been the primary thing. It's been a it's been a sandbox to have conversations with people who have really cool things to teach me. Mm. Um, And uh, it's been since about 2017. So I'm somewhere around 250 episodes now, um, which is is 
is wild to say. Yeah, it's it hasn't always been easy. I haven't always been like super excited about it, but there have been some particularly magical moments along the way. And I would say like, you know, I've spent a lot of my time, which uh, is the same thing I do. It was like, it helped me refine my coaching because I've spent a lot of time listening very carefully for what's interesting, what's unique and what's valuable in my clients or in my guests, which uh, I feel ultimately serves my clients. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit similar for myself. Like the reason I started my podcast was because I know all of these people who have these amazing gifts and talents. And I'm like, how do I share these people with the world? Because mm. they have a great message and they have great skills. And I just want to like have a conversation and get their name out there. So I was like, well, might as well start a podcast. Like, <laughs> See what happens. And then I just keep meeting more and more interesting people who have these incredible stories of their own journeys that have like brought them to where they are right now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You want to talk some woo? Sure. Okay. This is one of my favorite conversations uh woo what were, were <laughs> before we got on talking is it spiritual or is it woo and I'm like I feel like it's the same but not everyone out there would agree with that and I know that so within your adventures of your life what brought you into the spiritual realm like really in it hmm. I feel the need we, we were talking about spiritual and woo and before I answer this question, so I just have to like drop a little like glimpse of my life or like what my attitude towards this whole thing is. So I live in Pune, Hawaii, which is the birthplace of like ecstatic dance and is like, is like the biggest, you know, woo woo neverland of like breakfast, lunch and dinner. There's a, a crystal bowl healing ceremony you know, cacao drinking, everything you could ever want all the time. And so I show up to like the ecstatic dances and everybody has like sacred geometry, you know, on their, on their shirts, like what you have tattooed on you and, you know, the Ganesh and all of these, you know, things that you would imagine. And I come in and I have a 7-Eleven tank top. <laughs> like the store, like the corner yeah. store. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a certain, there's a certain message I have to it, but that's kind of, you know, my prankster uh, identity and attitude mm -hmm. um, in this whole spiritual world. But how did it come about? Um, like I said, early, early on in my, in my teenage years, particularly, I was highly invested in the Christian ideals, uh, would play, uh, you know, at a, uh, I was like a, a youth music leader then, mm. you know, I would play every, every Wednesday night uh, at, at church to, you know, the worship songs and things. I would speak in tongues um, at the, at the peak moments mm. of the, of the Christian summer camps. Um, and uh, yeah. So that was like a big part, but uh, as I started to get older and like a lot of my friends started to, just kind of not lose their lose their connection with it and I lost my connection with a lot of my friends and then um 
I, you know, kind of getting a little bit older, started to lose some faith in the institution itself. It seemed like a lot of the people had a lot of high-minded ideas, but were really acting rather petty and not very, uh, uh, yeah, just like not in alignment with what I thought was, uh, you know, thing. But there was a couple of, there were still, um, when I was around 19, there were two people that were really particularly like paragons for me for Christianity. Um, one, uh, his name was Ben Entwistle. He was somebody that I had met at a summer camp the year before. He had uh, spent his teenage years, his father was a missionary doctor, and so he spent his teenage years in Mozambique being almost killed by every African animal you could ever imagine. Um, when he was 13, he got rheumatic fever, which he had to get a little bit of a heart surgery on. And by the time I had met him, he was just recovered enough to like start playing soccer and would tell all these stories of these African beasts nearly uh, devouring him and him narrow escapingly, narrowly escaping with his life. I had another friend um, who was about three or four years younger than me. His name was Paul. And uh, he was somebody that I would be like a camp counselor to at a lot of the Christian camps that I would go to. And he was always a very smiley, like fun kid. He had a group of friends called the fellas that were, you know, just a really good group of kids. And uh, um, I remember when I was kind of their age and, and things, like I was really disappointed when I saw like the people a few years older than me starting to drink or just starting to do the things that I just thought were not in alignment with kind of what we were about. And I remember promising myself that I wouldn't let uh, my, my kids down. But then I started getting to that age and I started getting a little disillusioned and not wanting to like hang around as much. And um, I can remember, uh, yeah, it was like, it was in April and um, I was just about to go to South America for my first study abroad. It was a couple of weeks out and I get a phone call and uh, um, a friend from church told me that Paul had committed suicide. Hmm. And I was shocked by that. And then, uh, for better and worse, went off to South America and was on, like, you know, an adventure and, like, in a different place and learning to speak Spanish and drinking wine and dancing and reggaetones and all of these things. And I uh, had, like, four or five weeks in Chile, um, just totally in a different world. And uh, once I was in... Uh, Right around the end, like a few of my friends were like, hey, let's go up to Peru and we can, uh, we'll hike to Machu Picchu. And I said, rad, let's go. So I go to Cuzco and the night before we start our hike, I get a phone call from a friend who tells me that Ben, um, who I was describing earlier, was in Africa and had a stroke an infection from his heart surgery when he was younger went up into his brain and he died in transit from Africa to advanced care in Europe. And then I went on a hike to Machu Picchu and hiked over some really incredible mountains mm -hmm. down into a jungle and just had these like peak experiences and then went home and was like, I don't want to believe in God anymore. I just want to believe in me. You know, this is like, uh, like, I don't know why I'm here and these ones, these guys aren't, 
and I don't see the point anymore. Mm. And uh, yeah, then began a different chapter of uh, world traveling uh, adventure. That's pretty much we can we can start the other story of my career path right there. Yeah. Wow. And then you moved to like the most spiritual place in Hawaii that you could, and I've never been there. I'm like, how do I not know about this place? Cause that sounds like I should be living there and like spending, bring my bowls and like, Oh yeah. Yeah. As long don't plan to make any money here or sell any of your crystal yoga classes, but uh... it's, it's <laughs> a flooded market. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you'll have a very good time. Okay. Maybe I'll just come to like get my own rejuvenation and like that's the play. Yeah. It's the it's the healer's retreat. Mm. And we need it. Like I'm a firm believer of like continuing to go to the sound baths and go to all of the things and breath work and partake because it helps you in your own work. Like coaches need coaches. Spiritual mm -hmm. people need spiritual people. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So if anyone is looking for you, where do they find you, sir? Um, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. Oh yeah. You got you books, you got me. a podcast, you got coaching. Like what, what, what do you want? Just make them rain. <laughs> the best, you know, the best place to start, I think is finding me on Instagram. Hey, Kyle Gray. I make some fun reels on there every once in a while. And, uh, you know, I would love to chat with you or engage with you there. So it's H-E-Y, like, hey, you know. Um, and then my name is spelled with an A-Y. And probably by now you know that because uh, you would have read it in the episode, but still worth saying. Hey, Kyle Gray. You can find me at thestoryengine.co. That is my website where you can learn more about my books, such as The Story Engine. Um, you can see all... Uh, just about 250 of my podcast episodes that I've been recording. Some are monologues and some are incredible interviews. Um, and uh, yeah, you can learn more about my my coaching there as well. But uh, um, if you're yeah, if you're a friend of Jessica or part of this community, would love to connect. Let me know how this impacted you or what your story is. Um, I like pod, podcasts like this and connections like this are really, you know, one of the most beautiful things that makes the world go round. And uh, I, I think they're super valuable. So thank you so much for uh, inviting me to uh, share my story. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Thank you for saying yes. Because I was like, what are the chances? I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to ask them. <laughs> okay. Uh, and before I let everyone go, I asked them a question. And the number that came to my mind was 13. So if you could go back to your 13-year-old self, what would you tell him? Welcome. You're a gangster. <laughs> just, just kick ass, dude. Just kick ass, dude. <laughs> Oh, that was great. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be good. <laughs> like, that was good. Okay, my cheeks hurt from how much I've been smiling talking to you. So thank you again for your time, your energy, and saying yes to being on the podcast today. I appreciate you so, so much. Um, so yeah, everything will be in the show notes to find Kyle. And 
reach out. He's a great guy. Amazing. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Hold up, friends, before you go. Hit that review button and give this episode a five-star review. Share it on your social media and do not forget to tag me. I will repost you. Let's spread the magic. Also, 2023 is upon us. Are you tired of the stories that you're telling yourself? Do you want to create your dream life with that dream partner, that dream job? Create better relationships within your life. Good news. You have the opportunity to work with me in 2023. I am offering free workshops throughout the year. Keep your eye on my Instagram. In-person workshops, sound sessions, and one-on-one coaching. If you are interested in changing your life in 2023, send me an email through the link in my bio or find me on Instagram. Send me a DM. Let's make 2023 your best year yet. Until next time, ciao.